So I want to begin with a couple of stories. They're both very real, or very short, and they are real. They happen, but not anywhere around here, so I'm not worried that somehow you'll figure out who's involved, but they are true. The first story involves a family, and in that family was a young girl, mid-teens somewhere, who unfortunately was sexually abused by a relative. The parents, of course, were angered, and they went to the authorities. They told the authorities who arrested the relative. He was convicted and sent to prison. And the family never healed. Because while we can clearly understand what the parents did, the relatives, relatives and friends, said, wait a minute, we're Christians. Doesn't it say in the Bible, 1 Corinthians, that Christians shouldn't go to court, that Christians should be able to resolve their differences among themselves, and that we don't need secular authorities to figure out what we should be able to figure out? Last I knew, the family was still split. Second story. This one involves a pastor. Uh, I was called into this when I was with the district. The pastor who had committed some very serious and illegal offenses. Suffice it at that. The board called the council there, heard about it. They called him in. He confessed that all of it was true and he had done all those things. And they said, Pastor, you'll have to resign. You can't serve here as pastor anymore having done that. So he did. And a significant portion of the church left with him saying to the council and to the rest of the congregation, isn't this a place of forgiveness? We like pastor. Shouldn't we have forgiven him, gotten him the help he needed, and let him prove himself again? So both stories, you have Christian against Christian, both quoting Scripture. The gospel lesson that Sean read a little bit ago is a very difficult text. It's a very difficult text. Christmas. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Yeah. And then we have the words of Jesus in today's gospel. We're going to look at it in just a moment a little more closely. Now, I have to be honest with you. When I saw that text, which was assigned to me, <clears throat> when I saw that text, I wrote a sermon. It was a nice sermon, up until yesterday when I threw it away. It was a nice sermon, and it said that Jesus has come into this world to proclaim the truth of God. And because we are redeemed, forgiven people of God, 
We need to do what Jesus said and follow the truth regardless of the consequences, even if that means that we are opposed in families and split apart. Got to do what's right. That sermon would have been absolutely correct. Just that you know that. You know that. What you also know is that this is a very complicated world. And to have left it at that would have been, in my mind, too simple, touching simplistic, knowing what you, I, all of us deal with on a regular basis. So let's look a little bit more closely at today's gospel lesson. It is also uh, in your Bibles, if you prefer the Bible in front of you. It's on page 1619, or you can look at it on the screen. So here is Jesus, and He is well aware of the fact that He has come into this world, yes, Prince of Peace, because there's peace now between you and your God, but He's also come into the world to bring a fire that would cost Him and to bring a whole new approach to being a follower of God. Now, and, and He did. In Jesus' day, the Jewish faith was a religion of laws, laws from God, Old Testament. The Torah, the law of, of Israel, the law of Moses, they call it, in the Bible, inspired by God, and it had laws that dictated their religious life, that dictated their communal life together, and that dictated as well their moral life. But then as time went on, the law of Moses didn't go away, but life got more complicated. And so they started to have a need to explain some of this stuff because it sort of didn't work or wasn't clear. So they wrote a commentary to it. So now you could take, and you want to know what this passage means for my life and the stuff i got to try and figure out. Well, here's a commentary that gives you advice. But then life progressed some more, and society got more complicated. And so then they said, well, we need a commentary for the commentary that deals with today's issues, that says the Mosaic Law explained thusly and applied thusly. So you knew what you were supposed to do, black and white, pretty much. And if it was confusing, you could ultimately go to the rabbi or to the Pharisee, and you could say, not sure what I'm supposed to do in this very complicated situation that I have in my family and in my life. And the rabbi or the Pharisee would say, this is what you should do. By the way, a lot of people like religion like that. A lot of people would love it if their church would always tell them what to do in all situations, be written, be a law, there it is, do it. It's easier that way. So Jesus' words, he says, I come to bring a fire, and I wish it already were kindled. Do you think I've come to bring peace? You know, Prince of Peace. But his words didn't bring peace, not to the people of Israel. That's why most of them rejected him because it was complicated. His words were, you're loved by God, I redeemed you from your sins. All those laws and all the commentaries and all the commentaries to the commentaries, you can get rid of them, and now you're going to live by two laws, just two. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. And secondly, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Wonderful. Sounds great. freedom, but what does that mean to all the situations in life you have to face? What does that mean? How do you apply that? You know, I remember back in the day, a little while back, I guess it was fair time back now, when there was the WWJD, what would Jesus do, bracelets and stuff. And a lot of people really liked those, and, and, and I did too. I thought it was, was, was a very appropriate challenge to Christians. But I always got afraid of that. I always got afraid that I or you or somebody would say, I've thought about that. What would Jesus do? And I've decided that that's what Jesus would do. And therefore, now that has become my judgment of what is right and what is wrong. And you need to obey that. And that's kind of dangerous. So again, the word of our Master. He's come to create division. And then he delineates that even further, where it's kind of tough, you know, father against son, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. We can do that on our own, right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't need the words of Jesus to do that for us. So it's difficult as we look at those words and wonder, what does all that mean? So I'm back to the fact that I could have preached a simple sermon and left it at that, but instead I'm going to risk doing something a little different, uh, because life is risky. And I don't want to oversimplify what you deal with any more than I want to oversimplify with what my family deals with. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray these petitions. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But neither of those is going to happen. Oh, his kingdom will come, Jesus said, within us. And his kingdom will come at the end when our Savior returns. But it ain't happening here. He is not going to rule the nations like a despot or a king. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? What world do you live in? Does it look like after 2,000 years of praying that, that's happened? No, what we really mean in that petition is, God, may I do your will in my life as the saints before you in heaven do. So we live in this unclear, difficult world. Yes, there is right, as Jesus said, but there's also wrong, and the problem is it's not always clear which is who. Yes, there is truth. There are also lies. The problem is that sometimes the lies are claimed to be truth by sincere people. Yes, Jesus is the Prince of Peace who came to restore our relationships. He prayed to the Father, Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. But there's also conflict. 
in families, outside of families, in the nations, in the world, there's also conflict. And the answers to those conflicts aren't always really clear or easy. There's confusion in this world. So the, the, the message I want to try to emphasize is that in this very, very complicated, difficult world, we have to learn how to live in that world as Christians because we're not going to make it simple. We have to learn how to live in a complicated world. For Jesus, it would be costly. It would cost him his life on the cross for our sins. For us, it will be difficult. There are lines, but sometimes it's tough to know where they are. You know, when we were little, it was fairly simple. You know, when, when you were little and, and your mom or your dad said, do this, and, and you said, I don't want to, and then you said, you know what little ones say all the time, why do I have to do that? Why do I have to do that? What, you know the answer to that, don't you, when you were little? You have to do that because I said so. It was easy in those days. They were mom and they were dad, and they got tired of us as little ones trying to figure out the why thing. But now we're adults. Now it's tougher. Mom doesn't say so. And we say, well, Jesus says so, but sometimes it's difficult. You know the two stories? They both quoted the Bible. So the responsibility you and I have as serious disciples of Jesus, because Christianity is not something to be played with. It's about life and eternal life. The responsibility you and I have is whether it's easy or not to figure out where that line is on all our situations. And that means we got to do more than just sit down and think about it. It means we do have to study God's Word. It means it begins with a deep understanding of the Holy Scriptures and what they mean for today's world. It means that we've got to get together with other serious Christians and seek the advice and counsel of others who wrestle with the same stuff so that amongst us the Holy Spirit can do His operative thing to guide us, as Jesus says, into all truth. It means that, yes, we have to pray, but not assume that how we begin to feel is necessarily the voice of God, but to listen to it and balance it with everything else. Our master said when he left, listen, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. We have to believe that that's real, that God places within us His Spirit to guide us, to strengthen us, to lead us, to enlighten us. We have a responsibility in this complicated world to figure out for us the truth and what is right. And then we need to do something else. Because that isn't easy, we need to never forget who we are. Who you are. Who you are. When you were baptized, and I don't know when you were, but maybe you were a squawking little baby at a fountain, at a font like this. Maybe you were an adult somewhere. When you were baptized, something really serious happened. I mean, it wasn't just about a cute little baby, oh, get the cameras out. No, 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 no. It was, it was about a child or an adult beginning their Christian walk. The Father, your Creator, placed on you a name 
And the name is, that's my son, that's my daughter. And you and I have messed it up a thousand times along the way, but God never forgot it. You are a Christian. Like I, a broken one, like I, one who messes up, like I, who gets confused, like I, who thinks the, 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 right is, the wrong is right at times. But you are a Christian because God, in the mercy he has in Jesus Christ, still holds on to you. And so in, with that glorious message that you are and always will be God's person because of his grace, you and I have the responsibility to accept responsibility for our walk and our journey. You and I have to take a chance on doing what we believe firmly is right, even if it's wrong, and believe that God will correct that and certainly forgive it. You and I have the responsibility that if we discover something that's very difficult, to do it because it's right, if we believe it's right in God's guidance, and if it's costly. You and I have got to accept the responsibility to do sometimes what we think we're going to fail at, and even do it if we fail at it, because we live as God's chosen people. And another thing we need to learn to do is how to live with each other. We've got to learn to realize that in this world, among God's holy people, there's disagreement. There's disagreement in this room. That isn't going to go away, but we are Christians. We've got to learn how to deal with that in a manner that pleases the Master who prayed that we would be one. That doesn't necessarily mean everybody will agree that I'm right. We have got to learn how to live in a diverse world because God's mercy is, goes to a lot of different kinds of people, all of them. And you and I have got to learn how to live in that world, not run away from it and not decide that only our world is right. You know, if you've ever been on a ship going somewhere, a cruise or whatever, and if that ship had a destination that you really wanted to get to, sometimes to get there that ship had to sail through really rough waters. Jesus knew he was going to be sailing through rough waters, but he knew where he had to get to. Sometimes you and I need to accept rough waters and learn how to go in them. In the 12th chapter of the letter to the Hebrews, most of the Hebrews book is kind of hard to understand because it's written pretty much to Jewish people, but there's a magnificent statement. You've heard it before, I think. It's in the 12th chapter of Hebrews where the author of the Hebrews says to us in this rough, confusing journey that we take, and fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. For the joy endured the, endured the cross. Well, I'm just about done. Stephen Covey wrote a book that was pretty popular. I don't know, maybe it still is. Maybe many of you have read it called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People in which he did a study of people who were very successful and discovered there are seven things that they all tended to do to one degree or another. And one of those habits is 
begin with the end in view. Begin all things knowing who you are. You are God's person through Jesus Christ. Begin knowing where you're headed, not just about today. Know where you're headed. And Hebrews would add, and as you do so, fix your eyes on Jesus.